Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. Well, gang, the holidays are here. Christmas is approaching. And people are stabbing each other in the neck at Art Basel, Miami. <laughs> ah, tis the season. Well, actually, if you want to go see some art during the uh, Christmas times here, be sure to go see the Yayoi Kusama show at Louisiana. It is really excellent and well worth the trip up there. But as a dose of calm energy and thoughtfulness to combat whatever crazy is nipping at your heels... We have Runa Bossett on the show today. It was actually super exciting to have him on because I just saw his work recently for the first time printed in a new art magazine, no less, called AF Art, first edition. And I was immediately attracted to to his work. And after thinking about it for a little while, I realized why that was. Uh, It has something to do with the honesty and earnestness that he exudes in his work. I had kind of a similar reaction to his work as I did to Felix Gonzalez Torres's work the first time I saw it. Uh, really touching stuff. So I reached out, and here he is. And the other thing is, he's still a student. He studied at Olafur Eliasson's Institute for Spatial Experiments, coolest name for an institute ever, and is finishing up at the Royal Academy here in Copenhagen. So he's just getting started, really. And since I'm not a betting man, you won't hear me say, mark my words, you'll be seeing more of him in the future. Nope, you won't hear that out of my mouth. But you know I'm thinking it. Enjoy. When I started studying at Olafur's, we we had at all our lectures, we always had a cameraman, if not two, filming every lecture, every talk, every critic, every presentation. Wow. And that took some time to get used to as well. Oh, but that's because they're super archive. Super wow. archive. They just uh, launched their archive, I think, actually a month ago. So everything is online right now. You can go in and look at all the lectures, all the talks and everything. So it's a huge online archive. That's actually tremendous. Yeah. That they have that just available. Yeah. I wonder about education, if education's just going to become so available that you're not going to need to go. I mean, obviously, those one-on-one moments with teachers are also important. But there's so much online learning you can do now. Yeah. I don't know. I think I learned best from interacting with with other people. And that's... That can't be replaced. That can't clearly. be replaced in any way. Like in Copenhagen, we, there's not so much teaching going on. I keep hearing that about the school here. Yeah. That but, there's very, very little actual classroom time. That's, that's kind of true. But... Uh, I think there's a lot of offers, but you just have to kind of orientate yourself in the school to figure it out where and how. And it's not that you have to to take the offers which are available, but 
that's really when it becomes for me it's not so much about the the actual teaching which is going on there but more about like i said the interactivity between the students that's where you learn a lot hmm. well that's why this podcast exists in a lot of ways is because i missed from school having those talks being able to discuss kind of day in and day out about what you're working on what other people are working on what they're reading what they're watching what you know all that stuff related to art because i think for some people it's easy to work alone But for me, I need constant input. Something that takes me six months to figure out on my own can take me two hours if I'm talking to someone about it. Yeah. And and that's what I miss the most about art school was that I don't want to call it a network because that's such a weird word, but but just that that space that you're in once you talk about art constantly. Yeah, and and that's also the good part about you getting a studio, so you have kind of. 10, 20 students on the same floor, even though you have your own little box hmm. where you're inside working, but you can always walk one minute and then you're in somebody else's box and can reflect and, and right. communicate and talk. Talk about ideas. Yeah. Do you find that most of the students there are pretty active and pretty engaged and working hard? I think it changes a lot. I remember for myself starting there being kind of thrown into the this labyrinth of different yeah there's so many offers and still you nobody tells you what to do right and it can be too open it can be really open in the beginning but it's it's also an important step of learning because if you don't learn to work on yourself in school then you will never learn Like going through art school six years, always somebody telling you what to do and then finishing as an educated artist mm. and suddenly nobody is telling you what to do. That kind of happened to me. Yeah. It took me a long time after school to pull it together and figure out how to be self-motivated. And I always thought that was something to do with age. Mm. Uh, but it could it could also be that I wasn't trained to think like that. Because we had set class hours. We had, you know, nine to four was a studio class and you were there, you were working. And uh, that isn't the case for you guys. No, I like. I even think it's a problem in, like, in art school, of, definitely shouldn't be like that. But even in other schools, kind of kids nowadays, at least my feeling is they are getting taught always to look for, like, one answer. There's right. one right answer to every question in school. Right. And it's kind of people are getting. Right. And everything's like, a build up to that answer. Exactly. There's less play. Yeah. So you're always looking for the right answer instead of thinking for yourself, what could be the answer? You're always searching for the answer hmm. instead of making an answer. That's really damaging to creative industries. Yeah. Because you have to fail. In order to get somewhere in that case. Exactly. To to create something new at least. And I think this is really important that, or at least that's how I find the freedom in art to try to make new things, which doesn't exist before. Or just see the things we used to see or used to do in new ways. Yeah. This is where it gets interesting, where your heart gets beating and you feel alive. Yeah. Was it always like that when you started becoming interested in art? Was it, um, you know, 
were you, were you did you start by making drawings and then uh, moving on or was it always kind of more exploratory the thing is i went to a wall of school uh wow so they have those here i didn't even know that yeah i went there 12 years wow uh and of course in wall of school you do art but i never it's always been really difficult for me being told what to do uh so i like of course we made drawings we made paintings uh we made things out of copper wood and so i knew a lot of things to do with my hands but i always felt there was something i had to do so i actually didn't see it as art and then yeah it's just another goddamn thing they made you do <laughs> yeah kind of way this stupid teenage way of looking at the world and then afterwards i actually i became interested in politics in a way because i was frustrated of like the system and how everything is put together and i thought i would i would go into politics and change the world and what destroyed that dream many different things uh, first of all i realized after sitting at a school bench for two weeks that i couldn't do that I, oh I, like a political position at the school no 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 but just going to school mm. just going to classical school i can't sit down and think and read and listen i need politics to, takes patience yeah and i need to i need to use my hands i have so many things i can do i need to use my body mm. my hands my feelings my thoughts and it's all connected and politics seems like it's just the head talking all the time making sense out of things which doesn't make sense and it got kind of boring quite quite fast and yeah. then yeah i just i started i went to one of these pre art schools uh a high school okay yeah just to just to get away and do something completely different was that like a i want to use my hands so art makes sense kind of thing no it's just like let's just get away from everything and try something completely new mm. and I, i've always been somehow in contact with art since like not nobody in my family is is an artist but close friends artists and yeah well isn't waldorf also a fairly creative school program yeah like i said yeah i've, I've got taught all these different ways of, of making things right i'm a montessori kid myself yeah. uh it's waldorf the one where you have to use only natural product no that's steiner yeah that's What's, the same it is the same yeah okay where you can only use toys made out of wood or uh, you know when they were younger yeah that's all these stories you hear when it's when when you try to cook something down to just one sentence but yeah. it's about much more i think it's about seeing the human as a whole which is not only a hit that goes to school to learn, but it's also you make kind of dancing, you use your body in different ways. Cause right, you engage. You engage the, in many yeah. different ways. You draw, you learn skills about wood and other things. Are you happy that you went to those schools? Yeah, a lot, a lot. Hmm. I think it was good to kind of open your mind, which is what it's about going right. to school. Yeah. But yeah, then I started doing art myself and that was kind of an experience. Did it just immediately blast off for you? 
Uh, we thinking like, oh my god, this is great right away. Uh, yes and no. It was this again going to and pre art school where you can get assignments each week. Somebody tells you <laughs> someone telling what, you to, what do. to do, and I was like, oh my god, what can I do? Like I. I don't want to do what they tell me to do. And I was sitting in this room with all the other students trying to make a work of art. And we had five days to make it. And I was sitting there the first day, the second day, and like nothing really popped into my mind. And in the end, I was just getting kind of frustrated and everybody else was producing stuff. So I walked out of the space, just took a long walk in nature. And then things just started popping into my head. And I kind of felt uh, free. Did that immediately, did you make that connection right away? No, no, it was quite later, like four or five years later when I kind of looked back at my practice and saw that somehow all my inspiration, all my thoughts about art always kind of relates to this free space, which is around us. And yeah, I, yeah, again, like I was always kind of, I like art, but also I don't like it. I think that's kind of actually one of the problems that most of us have. Yeah. You know, there's nobody who's like, yeah, I think the whole system that we exist in as artists is just great. No. It's working great, you know. And and the only thing that I can uh, that that makes me feel better about it is the fact that I can think of no system that is great. There's no, I mean, you know, I know people who work in the nonprofit world. That's got its own set of issues. Uh, there's, you know, God knows banking, finance, uh, politics, you know, anywhere you look, any sort of system has problems similar to yeah. the art one. But there's a lot of people who simply don't want to be artists because they don't like the system. Yeah, but then that's when you focus on the part of the system which you like and try to make that stronger. Well, that's life, right? I mean, yeah. It, it's, you do know, what you like to do yeah. <laughs> instead of spending all your time and energy criticizing maybe the things that you don't like. Yeah. Do what you like and leave the rest or even better do what you like and change the rest, you know, yeah. whatever. So, you know, that's why I continue to work in this world, but there is a lot to um, take issue with in the art world. Uh, but it seems like you're pretty lucky in that the school that you go to is so open considering how you have such a hard time with direct instruction and, um, you know, boxes, I guess, essentially confined spaces, but you're almost done, right? Um, yeah. In June, I will be finished. What does July <laughs> look like in your mind? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> uh, a gaping black hole sucking all the light out of the universe. No, not at all. But of course it's a, big question because also in Denmark you're really lucky you get supported with money from the state so you never have to think about making money out of your art that's right which is a big liberty mm -hmm. but yeah it's coming closer now and somehow I have to figure out how these two things get connected or if they should at all or if I should do something else and continue with my artistic practice being completely free out of that world mm. that is a tough one yeah because as a per person who has a part-time job and uh, a practice 
it's uh it, it's it's a question of time yeah you know and that for me the decision the goal is clearly to leave the job because i don't have enough time to work on the practice but that involves having to accept the rules of the game yeah and that involves you know i'm just starting to get into i wouldn't say starting but i'm i'm getting better more adept at the networking game I'm getting better and more adept at talking to uh, galleries. Yeah. How do you talk to galleries? How do you approach galleries? That whole thing. Should it's they approach you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's humiliating. It yeah. really is. And 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 either you have to play that or you don't. You know, I think I don't think you can count on being one of the few uh, lucky geniuses where someone just comes to you and says, "Guess what? We want to put this on the wall and sell it for you." Yeah, and like. I think like you, I also just, I spent uh, three years abroad, almost four. So basically most of my education I spent in Berlin. Mm. So I'm also right now trying to find my way in the Copenhagen art world. And That's probably why I didn't hear about you until recently. Cause you've yeah. been gone. Cause I'm very much plugged in here and not so much elsewhere. But yeah, a lot of has happened actually over the last couple of months uh not so much exhibition wise but people start writing me emails contacting me about different stuff and that's a turn in a big turn because usually every time you want to do something i always been doing it myself from the big like from the starting idea to finishing project yeah so it's it's a nice experience too well it could be i mean i, I more than a few guests that we've had on the show here have simply been approached by someone and it just kind of organically went from there. Yeah. So it is also possible. And of course that would be nice because then you can maybe seamlessly have your practice without interruption, you know, because I guess that's the goal, right? That's the dream. Point, yeah. That's, that's know. my big dream. Like getting a small country house with a huge garden and a big greenhouse and just <laughs> walking around there doing my things. And then once a month, my gallerist would come for a visit and just like load his car with stuff that I made and then leave you a suitcase full of cash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the dream. Do you live here in Copenhagen now? Uh, yes, I do. How is it living in a city? I mean, I'm well aware that Copenhagen's not Los Angeles. It's, it is pretty green and open as cities go. Yeah. But, uh, how is it for you? It's okay. I, I often try to escape and like, luckily my father's living on the countryside on a big farm and I often go there. Hmm. Actually, a lot of my works, they take place around his house. Oh. Yeah, I mean, looking at the magazine, at the AFR magazine, I found you, there wasn't a single image. A do there wasn't a single document of your work that took place in any sort of urban center. Was there one? Ah, uh, uh, no, there's not. Okay, that's because I'm thinking about the doors. But they right. choose the door, which is placed on the in the harbor. Yeah, I'll tell you. But the other four of them was placed in Copenhagen, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they didn't choose that one. No. Yeah. No, I, I really like to work with with kind of natural surroundings. Well, not only that, but it seems like it's more conducive to your thought process. You're more you're freer. Yeah. In, in that space. Do you think of that as a disadvantage too? Does it ever occur to you that that is holding you back sometimes? 
No. No, it's like, uh, I don't even know the word in English. Uh, bean spin. Oh, like a I constraint mean, or yeah, something. Yeah, constraint, yeah. Which is sometimes good to be creative. Mm -hmm. To have some constraints. Setting limits. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That was one of the big turning points in my work was uh, setting constraints. Yeah. Because everything can be too free. Yeah. You know. But yeah, then then it gets interesting to look for the small parts of of nature or where nature and city meets and what that situation kind of creates. Mm -hmm. uh, like with my studio, my first year at the academy, I just brought the nature in my studio. That was that photograph in the magazine, right? Uh, yes, the studio exactly. Just yeah. full of plants and exactly. grass on the ground. And it actually looked very, very relaxing, like the kind of place I'd like to hang out. Exactly. So I, I came into the academy and I didn't feel at home at all. And like I was missing going out and getting my inspiration. And so I thought, okay, why not just bring the inspiration into me instead of always having to go out? Does it still look like that? No. It was just for a couple of months. But there's a lot of plants, yeah. <laughs> so what is it? I mean, we keep beating around the bush, haha, pun intended, uh, about plants, nature, outside life. Do you have any sort of thoughts about that? Or is it simply you feel, uh, you feel that that is your space where you work best? Where you're more easy, where it's easier to attain your higher self, or you know whatever you want to say. Again, yeah, it can be looked upon in different ways, and I guess, like I said in the beginning, it just came from me walking in the outside surroundings, getting inspiration. But then, afterwise, afterwards, you start kind of thinking about, okay, why is that? Is it a parallel or kind of an answer or pole to what's going on in the world otherwise and exactly is it is it the is it the the is it the reaction to something else yeah and i think for me like i yeah like i write in my uh my kind of bio poem my uh my how we call artist statement that that somehow looking for the origin of things also makes it possible to create a line from where you are now to the origin. And then you also get some direction pointing out in the future as soon as you have a line. Mm. But in this world, I think right now, everybody, we are always looking for like new solutions, new crazy things. And I don't, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think it's, totally a good thing as soon as you don't forget like the simple solutions because they are everywhere around us and like if you just look forward like you forget to look behind what is actually there mm. and there's so much to learn from just looking at the simple things like the mechanisms which are going on every day how the seasons change how the weather change and all this stuff. And sometimes I think people try to make everything way too complicated, forgetting that something is already there and this is what makes the world go around. That's a sign of it, anxiety, right? That everything becomes so convoluted and. Yeah, it gets so complicated and it's actually not so complicated. So is it important to have direction? I mean, because that's the thing I noticed about what you said is that you can look behind, at the line behind you. And then imagine the line forward. 
That's a good question. It's kind of a trick question, right? Yeah. Because because both answers can be seen as positive or negative. Yeah, but maybe, yeah. I think it's a good thing to have a direction, but also to be open to change it. Like, so it's not like a certain point where you want to go, but just be having some kind of goals, but being open for changing them. Right. Well, I mean, that's why direction is a tricky word. I mean, yeah. instead, I think what maybe what you mean is reference, you know, something to look back on, not something to say, okay, we're going in this direction and that's it. You know, the ship is sailing this way. Yeah. Um, but how does that, I mean, so basically you've just naturally found your way into a space to work in. Yeah. Which is not even a space. It's the, you know, the world, the open space. But are you forced to conceptualize that? Does the school make you write theory about no. this? Actually, I think there's no written assignments at all in school. Even to finish? Yeah. I heard something about oh we God. might have to write like an A4 page. Wow. But. But actually, you can go through school without writing a single word, yeah. But isn't the school very theoretical and, 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 and uh, you know, for lack of a better word, academic? No, I wouldn't say that. Huh. There is a class called Theory and uh, Formuling. Uh, yeah, Development. Yeah. Huh. But other than that, the, the other classes are quite... Free. Of course, we have professors coming in and talking about different things and lectures about art theory, history mm. and stuff. But again, you can choose if you want to take part in it or, or not. Because hmm. I feel like um, there's a specific kind of... Oh, man, I'm in dangerous territory here. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there is, a, at least in my experience, the kind of work that comes out of the academy in the last couple of years has a specific kind of flavor which ties it together. Um, and I guess maybe that has to do with the kind of people who get accepted in the first place. You know, you don't, there isn't a, a graffiti artist at the art academy, as far as I know. And if there is, um, they're working on a in a different way than you might say like when i went to art school it was all sorts of people it was fucking stoners who just made ceramic pieces all day long and then there was the highly conceptual research-based process-based artists and then there was um someone who just uh, only worked in lithography um you know it was it was it was very wide yeah, and it seems like the school the the school here isn't so wide in its in its. No, it's quite curated. What is it? What's that force that's curating it? Is it just the selection process, or is it the teachers? Yeah. Or it's actually a good question. I think I've never thought about it before. But yeah, one thing is probably also that the art world is so small, and I I have the feeling that it's kind of. You have to fit into this box if you want to be a part of the art world. And that's then that's correct. already affecting 
the outcome of the school. Maybe people are doing something different, but they will, when they finish school, you will never see them again because they don't get into this little world. That's right, because I work in framing a very expensive industry. Only people who are going to show or have some sort of um, ability or you know funds to make it happen, are I'm never going to see them. No. It just strikes me as um, a mini art world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I guess a lot of arguments could be made that that's a good thing. Uh, that the mini art world should, you know, that's what it should reflect to prepare people for that. Yeah. Not necessary, hmm. but again, I, yeah, there's more to the art world in Denmark after spending, I don't know. Yeah. Now three years in Berlin, hmm. I've seen a lot of interesting Project spaces, uh, people doing weird experiments, performances and immaterial artworks and happenings and dinners. And, and there's, it feels like there's a lot more happening, which is just around the art world, but it's not kind of really a part of it, but it's in Berlin, in Berlin. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm also like, I just got back a little less than a year ago and yeah, Maybe it's also going on here, but I'm having difficulties finding. Well, it's just such a smaller place, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, I've been here for eight years now and it has changed significantly in those eight years. There's a lot more artist driven spaces. Yeah. Uh, that's really kind of the thing now. Yeah. I um, noticed. Yeah. And they're following a very, they're following their own plan and it's not necessarily commercial based, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that's where the Danish state is fantastic because they really, can help support yeah. stuff like that. Oh, that's really fantastic. Um, but the, it's always going to be a smaller city. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of art for a city of this size. But it, it's not Berlin. It's not London. It's not Paris. It's not Milan. You know, it, it can't be. Do you want to go back to Berlin? Do you miss it? Mm. Yes, I do. Mm. But there's also things about Copenhagen that I really really enjoy like like the bad thing about being a small city and like not the diversity isn't that big maybe but on the other hand it also makes you encounter with the same people more often to get into kind of deeper conversation deeper relationships and follow the kind of development of different things and that I really enjoy actually yeah totally you're more plugged in You're more plugged in and you follow the same things develop. And that's actually quite nice that you can dig in deeper. Well, I mean, that's the problem I have as, as an American, everything that's terrible in the United States. Okay. This is a broad statement, but everything that's <laughs> uh, most of the things that are really bad in the U S are really good here. Uh, at least comparatively politics, public transport, quality of life, uh, you know, some sort of idea at least moreover of social justice although i'm sure most Danes would argue with me on many levels on that but just compared to the states uh but everything that's bad here is great there the food's better there the nature's more interesting uh there's more diversity you know the, all those sort of things and it's just like well fuck you get one or the other yeah you know? <laughs> no that's true you can't have it all and that's probably the same with berlin in here in some way yeah and yeah i don't know it's also Stupid of me sitting here talking about 
what is good and bad and not just like I will just enjoy what is good here while I'm here and then right if I want something else I will go there for a while well I guess that's more the thing like if you can remain free to do as you know to to go where the wind blows then uh, you'll have a lot of advantages yeah or you just try to bring that was actually what I tried to to tell myself I will just bring Berlin to Copenhagen and try to be more weird. Hmm. But, well, I mean, I think there's definitely space for that. Yeah. And there's also um, some sort of system in place to help with that. But um, what do you think about the fact, I mean, so your work already seems very ill-suited for a gallery, for example. Uh, you don't, you're really beyond the walls in a lot of ways, right? Not just the art walls, but the walls, the studio walls, the institution walls. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's the future of, of art? I mean, do you think that is where we're headed? This breakdown of the white cube and no, I think the white cube will always exist, which is both. Yeah. Which is probably good, but it would be interesting to create another alternative as well. Mm -hmm. where but i think especially this is why denmark is a good place because there is money and funding for doing things around the white cube but in other countries where the, everything is privately funded then it's more difficult to do things which is not sellable mm -hmm. or fit for the white cube mm -hmm. so again this is why denmark is actually quite a good place to be working with things which are not in frames yeah do you think about You know, we were talking earlier about that line in history that you can look back at in order to uh, reference the future. Do you think about that in terms of art history, in terms of what your work in a greater context? No, I'm I'm actually not really that good with art history, to be honest. <laughs> you don't have to be ashamed. I'm not either. No. Because you can spend your whole life doing that. For me, at least. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't have time to engage. No, but I have really good friends who does that. And I then spend a lot of time talking with them. And then they tell me the important parts. <laughs> okay, yeah, curate it that way. Well, I mean, you know, people's favorite thing to do is to go, oh, that's an interesting work you made. Have you seen the work of so-and-so? Yeah. You know, like that's the number one thing people say, which is A, a statement of, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. And B, oh, someone else kind of did that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite typical. Yes. But it's also interesting, of course, looking into if other people did similar stuff. Like I just said, I was just in Venice and looking at uh, Hammond de Vries, this, this Dutch guy, uh, I think 80 years old living in north of Germany, having his own forest, basically it, exhibiting nature. Hmm. And there's a lot of parallels to my work, which of course I have to know about. But as soon as you start digging into the similarities, that's where you discover the differences. Right. If you know what I mean. Sure. And that could be useful. So even like I saw he had like a big frame filled up with leaves and this First of all, first it made me kind of sad because I just did the same work. But then I saw that he just 
collected the leaves to kind of represent the leaves of nature. Whereabout I was standing from, from sunrise to sunset underneath a tree, catching all the leaves falling down. So my action is completely different. Even if the outcome of them, if you put them next to each other, look kind of the same. Right. It's like two big frames full of leaves. Mm -hmm. But I was standing there catching each leaf when it fell down, like welcoming it or giving it a soft landing or whatever you would say, like mm -hmm. being childish, running around underneath the tree a whole day, just catching leaves. So this is where you also discover actually more about your own work when you start comparing it with similar works. That goes again back to limitations in a way. Not that it's a limitation to, to, to see that he, that he made a work which was similar, but that it helps uh, give you a wall to bounce off of, you know, or something, just some sort of uh, context to place it in. Because we aren't an island after all. No. We, uh, we do uh, exist, you know, and like that's one of the greatest frustrations i have with curators and and critics is the whole like we have to constantly place things in the context of art canon and what's going on around us and and that I, i'm sure has a lot of advantages but can be tremendously frustrating too uh because it's i guess there's constantly this desire for the big picture when when you're running around underneath a tree catching leaves that's what that's about yeah Yeah, at, at least it's not a reference to art history in any kind of way. It's more just like, I I want to explore how a leaf fell, falls down the tree, so I go out and I kind of see how it does it. Hmm. What about curiosity and play? I mean, is it is it, how much is your work based around that? A lot, I would say, maybe, yeah. Like, I often see myself as not a scientist because I, like, of course there's similarities, but not a scientist, scientist. But, you know, the freedom in art, that if you have a question, you can just make a kind of an experiment and uh, and try to figure it out your own way. Right. And this can just be weird thoughts, and that's what I love about it, that Even though it seems weird, it's it's just as true as a scientific experiment. How would the beach look in the forest? How many trees, how many yeah, leaves fall down a tree? Uh, I don't know. How does grass grow upside down? And like, just do it and find out for yourself. And, and of course you will not get a scientifically well-proven number that you can prove how the world is put together, but you will get a lot of other experiences, emotional, visually, aesthetic, small details that you kind of discover. Totally. And these are all the byproducts that this kind of fake experiment will, this will be the result. So the real result is not the result, but it's the way there. Right. It's the things that happens on the way. And so the art is kind of just a physical manifestation of that process of exploration. Yeah. Yeah, I think art is a lot about exploring. So for you, is art, uh, being an artist in a way, is 
is almost a lifestyle. It enables you to live life in a manner in which you can spend an entire day catching leaves. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, because that's in a way when I ask myself, what is it I want? I want the freedom to work on the things I'm interested in working on. I want just enough financial stability to remove that as a major factor of stress. And I happen to really like taking photographs and playing in the dark room. So those two things can, can, can hopefully be melded in a way which allows me the optimum amount of time in life to explore and play with the things I want to play with. And if that's called art, then fine. So be it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Making explorations, exploring yourself, exploring the world and also having or getting experiences through these encounters that you can talk with other people about. I can learn something from reading it in a book, but I found out that I learned with my hands, with mm. my whole body by doing it and and then also talking with other people about it and this just gets more much more interesting when you do it yourself than always reading about other people doing stuff in the world. Yeah. And somehow not I don't know if I'm contributing to anything. And it's probably also not so important, but at least I'm having fun and you can go crazy wondering if you are, that's for sure. Yeah. Is there any sort of desire to leave physical manifestations of, of the self or of, of your, your footprint on the world? Is that part of it? I don't know. I both want to answer yes and no, because I have no idea what will happen as soon as I'm gone. And therefore I also don't think it's important. I think, in that way, it's much more important to to put your f feet down kind of hard while you're here that you kind of stir things up and that's where you feel something yourself and where you can yeah communicate with other people about that. Mm -hmm. And that's what's make me feel alive. So that's probably what's what it's all about. Is there any sort of spiritual or religious aspect to the whole thing no i'm not spiritual in any way actually. not even in the greater nature sense that uh, the universe is all one and uh, we're all part of a greater uh, natural order mm, i don't think in a spiritual way but from observing nature from being in nature you experience that everything is connected and i don't mean in a spiritual way i mean in a very practical way like down to earth mm -hmm. everything is in connected a in a natural way and it doesn't have to become spiritual because it's just how it is and everybody will see if they go for a walk in the forest in the spring and again in the fall and they will see yeah everything is connected there's some system going on and we are all a part of it it's not like there's nature and there's human no we we are all one and it's, yeah, it's not a religious thing. It's kind of. Right. Well, there's no need to force it into that context. No. Um, it's just, 
I guess what I'm searching for is wondering what it is about openness. You know, that's what I guess I'm understanding is that it's not necessarily nature, but it's openness. It's a lack of walls. It's a lack of direction, both uh, figurative and literal direction. No one's telling you what to do. You keep going back to this and maybe it's related to your education and to this whole, this idea of being a whole human being yeah, and using all of your facilities in order to navigate life. Because uh, as far as I can tell, I mean, one of the other reasons I want to work in the art world is I can't imagine the idea of a job in which I only use a few of my facilities eight hours a day, five days a week. It seems like such a, a cramped way to go through life to, uh, sit at the computer all day, for example. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I have no disrespect for anybody who does that. It's just, I can't imagine not being able to, uh, be more physical with my body for so many hours of my life, you know? And so I guess, yeah, what I keep going back to is like, do you, what is it about this openness? Is it just the feeling of freedom or is it? Yes. And no, like, for myself, I think it's a lot about, like you say, the freedom, the exploration. Like, this is basically if you're walking in the streets, you feel kind of uh, in a cave. But I think also not just to talk about nature, but to talk about spaces which are outside the white cube in general. My my first idea about making art which is not only in the white cube is that when we walk into a white cube we are expecting also to encounter with an artwork and this puts already a lot of pre-justice references and stuff into our mind and we I, I experienced that a lot of people going into museums they have this okay it's art it's okay if I don't understand it Art is not to be understood. And I feel often if you put an artwork in a public space or in a forest, on a beach, wherever, which is not a white cube, then people actually encounter it with some kind of curiosity. There is something which is out of place, which is not as natural as it used to be, or there's just a small change made into it. That's right. Which makes you curious, which makes you want to go into it, which makes you want to understand it. And I think this is somehow, unfortunately, very often broken for for most people in the white cube. That's absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because if I'm biking through town and I see something that doesn't fit into my context of what town is... If I have the time, I'll stop and be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and explore it. Whereas if I'm walking through a museum, I will stop at certain works, but again, it's art time. Yeah. You know, when you go through the doors of, of a museum, it's art time. And that's the context. But what are we working towards then? Do you think a total, a total breakdown of, of all uh, institutions? I mean, I'm just talking about personally for you. Uh, you know, do you really just want to work in public? Is that no, is that no, no, because I've done works in white cubes and I think it's an interesting space to work with as well. But I, I really try to remember myself that it's not the only space and it's it has some restrictions. And I think it's very 
important to be yeah to be aware of that yeah i guess each each idea each project each experiment has its best context yeah to be placed into or at least to create more synergy more dimensions yeah yeah and i don't want to get rid of the institutions because they have a lot of they have a lot of good things as well but i would just try to they have tremendous archives once yeah again. and it but it's i think it's important just to still be open to to other places as well and not thinking that the institutions is the only way that we can go to make art hmm. to and even i think i i talked with a friend about it once that maybe if we make enough art in the public space then like we get used to looking at things with an open mind because there's so many like small clues around the city around the nature which kind of could be a trigger for a new way of looking at things that even if there suddenly is a big pile of trash then you think maybe that could be art because there's so much art in the public space that you then start to look at the pile of trash as if it would be art and now art is this weird word because i don't mean it's, it's kind of restraining blanket right yeah but but art as more as a potential of uh being curious mm. so as 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 a driver of critical thought i don't mean critical yeah. thought like yeah. in the academic sense but like to ask questions exactly so it'd be nice that to make that possible everywhere to be more critical so what you're your telling me is that come july or august we can expect your first pile of trash piece here in Copenhagen. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm working with time. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just and it's going to be a, a quite subtle white cube show <laughs> at uh, Charlottenburg. <laughs> oh yeah. That's not a bad place to show. No. Um, well, that's great. I mean, this, this, I guess kind of my final question is, is how this relates back to your time in Berlin with Olafur, because he's one of those artists. Uh, my sister calls him a magician of art because he really is so good at balancing on that rope between inside and outside. Uh, you know, and he's obviously working also with nature, especially more now, but physics, light, gravity, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but he's just so good at that balance between inside and outside gallery walls, public space, uh, nature, city, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, was that a big deal for you to work at his Institute? Uh, to study. To study. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. To study there. It was, it was really a big experience. Uh, his class was called the Institute for spatial experiments, which is fucking awesome. Just which is name. quite nice, like <laughs> an institute and then experiments, like to make everything into experiments while you're in school, which mm. is again, almost, yeah, maybe I got my reference from there with my scientific, scientific, uh, kind of research. Well, just seems make perfect it, for you, right? To make experiments. Yeah. So yes, it's what, it was a really, really big experience, uh, to be there. Was he actual part of the teaching? I mean, did you yeah. spend a lot of time with him? Uh, yes, he was not full-time. Of course he had two, two other teachers 
working with us. He's doing, a busy, busy man. Of course, he's busy, but he was there a lot, mm. like more than I expected, actually. And also having one-to-one -one critics with him uh, going to Ethiopia for three months. Wow. He came visiting us five times while we were there. And I think his, his kind of uh, ideas were were brought good into the school but i also my experience was that he was oh this is this is kind of difficult to to explain but i guess when you become kind of a famous artist you also somehow have a practice that you have to be true to and this is kind of the catch about becoming famous in one way or another and a part of this art system that you get locked in a way. Mm -hmm. So my feeling was also that he kind of also wanted to provide us with all the stuff that he couldn't do himself. Hmm. So he was really kind of encouraging us to do performative work, to do immaterial work, to do happenings, to, to just walk in the street and explore the street. And I think he did it as well himself, but but of course that's not the side of him that you see. Uh, right. So in that way, of course, it but was that's better than him trying to pressure to press you guys into being little hymns. No, no, no. Yeah, he was actually those teachers who do that too. Yeah. No, he didn't do that at all. He really like was pushing us to explore and to, to, to explore the world, which I really liked. Also a lot of the teachings that we had was not about art. We like, were doing kung fu we were walking backwards for hours through the streets we were talking with a dream interpreter yeah and like having a three days workshop about uh, brain science and like basically learning about the world right which and interacting with the world exactly and this is how art school should be because i agree and in fact, that's how art should be because art does become ghettoized in a lot of senses. It's, it's the, it's the big kind of danger of teaching artists about art history that they kind of make work, which is only referring to art history. And then it gets this very closed cycle, just turning around itself and right. then feedback loop, feedback loop. And it's not open for anybody to experience anything and. Art should be a part of the world, hmm. not just about the world. It should be out in the world, interacting with people, bringing them in, bringing them out. And I'm going to write that down. Part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think things are getting better? Do you think art is becoming more part of the world? Yeah, in many ways. I, I think agree. so. Yeah. Things are um, changing. It's weird because the art world is becoming this two-tier system. At one time, we were facing the probably the biggest art bubble ever. Or no, definitely in terms of money, the biggest art world bubble ever. And uh, whether the, it'll pop or not, we don't know. But it's, it's clearly a stock, an investment, uh, a way to stash money, you know. But at the same time, it's also kind of on a, on, on a whole different level maybe more contained in the art world of artists, curators, art historians, outside of the commercial world. 
it's really there's a lot of interesting experiments being done a lot of interesting directions and attempts that are being uh, you know fielded that people are trying to trying some stuff which i find very heartening yeah no it's nice that the kind of concept of art is opening up that everything can be art yeah and we're going more and more in that direction and that gives space for a lot of nice ways to right to it's not a new the, idea either so it's nice that it is becoming more and more yeah available in that sense do you imagine yourself in the future ever teaching yes i've done it a couple of times even now yeah and i think it's a great experience And I often think that the teacher is the one being taught the most. That's that's the saying. Uh, to you, you got to learn, but to master, you should teach. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny. A, a couple of times I've thought about how you often talk about the, your relationship to people during this conversation about how talking to people, experimenting with people, that stuff is very important, but you also like being out in nature. And I guess that's always going to be your, the the fine line you have to walk this desire to be around people and this desire to be alone and be yeah. in the open. And that's just the way that is. <laughs> cool. Well, that's an hour. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. All right, friends. That was Runa Bossa. Take care out there in stabby Artland, okay? Shit's getting real now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by the Passion Hi-Fi. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our naturally pure website, undergang.net. The show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council and, of course, you, the listeners. As a holiday present to us over here at The Undergang, we'd love it if you'd tell another art lover about the show. Thank you for joining us. We'll holler again in two weeks' time. <laughs>